This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Worth Your Time podcast video podcast. Um, I'm joined today by Ariane Simone. Ariane, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, more than welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, I I am I caught you off guard. You didn't know you were going to be on video. You didn't yeah, know you were going to be on video. That's a disclaimer. And it's so wild because I had a face peel. So like my face is peeling in the midst of all this. Well, so you can't see like, that. You can't see that. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> well, you said, you, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm headed out for a run after this. And I'm like, oh, gosh, but we're going to make this work. We're going to make we're this gonna, work. We're going to make it work. And you know what? I'm a runner. So I totally get it. How far are you going to run? It's three miles, which is, yeah, it's usually, it's in my neighborhood. Yeah, that's usually actually about what I do. I love it though. Gotta keep up the workouts, man. They help me a lot mentally. I would say my mental, like (laughs) I have to, like if I don't, it's just like, eh, yeah. Especially during COVID. (laughs) Oh yeah, like I have to get out and run. Totally. I'm with you on that. Well, let me do a quick introduction of you. Um, you just published a book, Fearless Money Mindset, Broke Doesn't Scare Me. And you are a successful author, speaker, investor, founder of the Fearless Fund, um, which exists to invest in women of color-owned businesses. And I want to talk more about that. And uh, But you didn't start here, of course. Um, and I know that you have kind of a fascinating life story. And I don't, you know, don't you don't have to take an hour to tell it, but I would love to hear sort of the short version of how you went from you know, a sort of normal person going through high school to, you know, this very successful entrepreneur who is so um, committed to investing in businesses and really helping women. Yes. Oh my gosh. So the journey, I'm born and raised um, Detroit, Michigan. I attended Florida a and University for college, majored in business. And I've always known I wanted to be a businesswoman since I was a little kid. Like literally, um, one of my partners, Keisha, she always says that I probably would probably would have sold my mother's placenta coming out of the womb <laughs> and if I figured out a way to make money off of it. Um, so I've always been fascinated by entrepreneurship and business, and I was raised around business owners, and it was something that I've always taken to. And when I was in college, I was raising capital for my mall-based retail store. And I remembered then how difficult that was. And I told myself for the grand opening that one day I was going to be the investor that I was looking for. And that one day, of course, is the manifestation of what I do currently. Um, but in between there, I closed the store, graduated school, moved to Los Angeles. And I thought I had a job. <laughs> well, I did have a job. I moved there working for Nellie's Apple Bottoms. And that's correct. I had a job. And I was doing product placement and I was placing the products on celebrities. I found it um, in contact and placed it on Tyra Banks. I placed it on Jessica Simpson and I placed it on Oprah Winfrey. So wow. I'm like, this is all within a 30 day window at the company. My first time there. And they're like, the president wants to see you. And I'm just like, of course, like <laughs> it's round. <laughs> and she says, Arian, um, we have to let you go. And I'm like, let me go. What's happening? And she said, well, you're the 
basically everybody has to go. You're just the last hired, you know, so you're the first fired because the company's being sold. I'm like, whoa. Mm. So with that being said, um, I went back to my apartment over time in some months. I guess I ran out of cash and I got a notice on my door to pay rent or quit. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to quit. <laughs> Stay there long enough. And then I moved from my apartment to my car. My mother's best friend paid for my storage for my furniture. And it was off I went. And I was without a place to stay for about seven months, but I wasn't depressed. Um, there was one moment when I was just like down. But for the most part, I was 23 years old and I was figuring out life and I was going to make it work. Yeah. Where did you get the like the I guess the motivation or that determination, that entrepreneurship mindset? Where did that come from? I've always had it. Um, it just, in, just innately. Yeah. But, you know, there's studies about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of studies. People always, well, now to me, entrepreneurship is more so like on trend, but mm -hmm, I've, yep. I've, I've been like this forever. And I remember reading these studies way before this became like on trend. I just look 25, but I'm 39. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. You do. No, thank you. I was being kind but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So they said, um, Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think of which studies were. There's plenty of studies about it. People are always were trying to figure out, even in before these centuries, are entrepreneurs made or born? Mm. And they can't figure out that. But what they did say was that the ability to take risk has a genetic trait to it. Oh, interesting. Yes. So did your parents so have that? My yeah, my dad. <laughs> okay. Um, my father's an entrepreneur. Um, he's never worked for anybody. Mm. I mean, in his adulthood, no. I mean, I only did for 20, what, 30 days. So yeah. genetically, and even I would say even on my mother's side, she's more of an entrepreneur because though she did work someplace, she's very um, entrepreneurial minded. And on her side of the family, we're loaded with entrepreneurs. Yeah. So while they can't prove that, they did say that the ability to take risk and have that basically not being risk averse and that risk taking mindset does can be proven genetically. Oh, that's so interesting. So <clears throat> I don't know um, if this is like a nature versus nurture. I think I had nature and nurture in that aspect. I had nature on my side, that this is my genetic, genetic makeup. And I had nurture on my side because I was surrounded by people who definitely poured this into me and supported this. So it's been a little bit of both for me. Uh, so, you oh, know, I, the, I gotta keep going through this story, but I'm sorry. Oh, ahead, Eric. oh no, 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 We're keep like, going. No, no, I no. Just, you go ahead with the question. What's your I take, I take, I hear a pause and I go, oh, it's time for me to ask a question. But no, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll. I guess the questions will probably kind of, kind of guide us through there. But um, okay, so, so after that, you, so you lived in your car, and then somebody helped you sort of store your stuff, and mm -hmm. then, and then, what was it that sort of propelled? I think it was after that, right, that you started sort of on your pathway upward. Yeah. So someone reached out to me that noticed my work from Apple Bottoms, and I'm like, dang, couldn't you find me months ago? But yeah. They reached out to me and they said, we need you to do some PR marketing work. Of course, I said, yes, I'd applied for 153 jobs at that point. Nobody had hired me. I'm like, sure. 
then they referred me to somebody who referred me to somebody. And I looked up and I had like five to seven projects in literally two weeks. Wow. I was like, okay, I have a business. Um, from there, I'm having a moment now, just even thinking about how dynamic that is. But yeah, so <laughs> I went to go stay in an office space because I knew at that time the kind of apartment that I would, you know, could afford would not be presentable for these clients. So I stayed in the office space. I lived out of there for about a month, um, just figuring it out. And while I was staying there, Coach Carter from the movie Coach Carter, it's a basketball movie on Paramount. He found me sleeping on the floor. He was doing business on the floor and he was just like, wait, you're living in here. And I was just like, well, yeah, it's okay. Trust me, I'm fine. And he said, well, no woman should have to live like this. And I said, trust me, I'm okay. And he said, well, I said, well, how are you going to help me? Because we said, I'm going to help you. I said, well, how are you going to help me? He said, well, I'm going to get you hired for my film because movie studios outsource people for PR and marketing, what you do here. And I was just like, oh, okay. So that worked. And he wasn't the thing. He was like the thing that led to the thing. Because then I realized if they outsource, that means all the studios outsource. Yeah. Totally. So I called somebody who I knew, um, Will Packer and Rob Hardy. They weren't big names then. They are now. But I called them and I said, hey, I gave the whole life story. This is what's happened to me. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm building. And I'm hearing that movie studios do this. And they got me an interview over at Sony Pictures. And I ended up working on their movie Stomp the Yard. And then from Stomp the Yard um, doing so well, it turned into... Walt Disney calling and Universal calling and all the major studios. Wow. So yes, I ended up building a very successful PR marketing business in the entertainment industry, servicing major studios in the area of publicity and promotions for their films. So from Will Smith films to Robert De Niro to Kevin Hart, James Bond movies. I mean, like you name it. Wow. So wait, did you, were you, did you have staff at this point? Like, did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, you're not, <laughs> I was like, you're not doing this all on your own, right? Girl, bye. That's too much. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. You you really are superwoman in that but case. No, 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 no. I'm not about to run myself ragged. I have staff now. <laughs> yes. I am not about to live like that, okay? That is just way too much. So how did you get then to the point where you were like, okay, like I actually can now become the investor that I always dreamed of being? Oh, about 12 years in, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, more like 12. I've always still, it would like pull at me a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there. And I'm like, okay. And then when the venture capital industry started getting, I would say more, no, more recognition in pop culture, I guess I would put it that way, or more mm -hmm. notoriety in that space. It was probably more prevalent to me of what was going on. Um, I would even say, of course, like the success of the Facebooks and whether it's Instagram or in the tech industry, you know, I'm, everybody mm -hmm. is starting to see this revolution go on. And I started meeting more people in the venture capital industry. And from there, I was like, OK, I'm going to have to get on the other side of this table. I started researching statistics. I knew I desired to be the business investor that I was looking for, but I was not aware that black women were receiving 0.0006% of venture funds. Mm. I was not aware that women of color were at 0.06%, so less than a percent also. And I was not aware that women were under 5%. 
So I noticed that there was not just a lack of diverse investments, but there were a lack of diverse investors. The industry mm -hmm. is 80% white male. So I'm like, well, that's the issue. We need to get on the other side of the table in order to change what this distribution looks like. So went and got SEC regulated, got securities attorneys, um, got my partners on board, Keisha Knight Pulliam and Ayanna Parsons, um, got our advisory team, our investment committee. They got about 400 million in assets under management because I knew we were emerging fund managers. I wanted just to make sure we were equipped with the proper guidance. Um, and just things just tend to fall in place in my life. Yeah. Like how that one person reached out to me from them noticing me being great at apple bottoms. And that's why I tell everybody, you want to operate in a spirit of excellence because you just never know who's watching. I had no clue these people would call me. Right. And same in this case, um, I got a call from Marseille Martin's parents. She plays um, the youngest girl in the sitcom Blackish on ABC. She's also the youngest oh, yeah. producer in Hollywood. I love Blackish. That's such a good show. Oh, yeah. She would love to hear that. Yeah, yeah. She's the youngest producer also in Hollywood as a teenager. And her family said, Erin, what are you getting ready to do in the VC world? And I was just like, how do you guys know I'm doing anything? I haven't told anybody. And they're like, well, you're quoting a lot of statistics on social media. We know that you're probably because I'm very <laughs> solution oriented. They're like, we're gearing up for something. What is like? We're reading between the lines here. Yes. And they were. And they're very intuitive people. And I said, well, why? And they said, because we want to be your first investor. And I said, what? They, they were like, for real, they were like, send over the paperwork and we'll wire the money. And I'm like, oh, I actually do have paperwork. And you guys can send it <laughs> over. And this is awesome. So that's what I mean by things just fall into place um, when you have a vision. And mm -hmm. when you have a vision, provision is always provided. Mm. And provision can just be broken down as being pro the vision. When you're pro something, you're for it. And when you're con something, you're against it. Mm. And things will start to come in alignment with whatever your vision is. And things will be pro the vision. Yeah, that's so good. I've never thought about it. Yeah, I've never broken down the word like that, but it makes so much sense. Well, your book, a lot of your book is about um, that very concept that you just laid out. Mm -hmm. um, and like I, like I said, the book title is The Fearless Money Mindset. So what is a fearless money mindset? Oh, gosh. I wrote the book <laughs> because people have more fear in being broke than they do faith in having abundance. Mm. And a fearless money mindset is actually a faith mindset as it pertains to your finances and you having that conviction and that belief that something is already done and that you are valued and that you are worthy of all of the abundance because it is your birthright. And the book opens up with the scene of myself and my very good friend and line sister Katara, she was Hampshire at the time, Katara Coleman. We were in the drive through at El Polioco in L.A. And she said, oh, it happened again. And I was like, what happened again? She was like, it happened again. I didn't know what she was talking about. And she was like, at, four, at whatever time in the morning, you said you needed ten, an extra $10,000 by 4 p.m. And it happened. I said, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing now. But the me then, Erica, was not laughing. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? 
Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. I wish I still operated in that naivete. Mm -hmm. I still have the same conviction and I still have the same faith to believe on that same exact level. But I had a level of naivete where I was like, what are you talking about? Of course it happened. <laughs> like now I could look back in and laugh, but I looked at her like she was nuts. I was like, you don't believe? And she was just like, yeah, but your faith is unwavering. Yeah. She was like, you don't, you don't move in it. And I was just like, like, that's what faith is. Like that's in my mind. I that's said, true. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was thinking. And um, I love that story because I go back to it just to remind me. Because see, through life, people will project their fears onto you and people will put their doubts onto you. And you can subconsciously start obtaining some of that stuff in your mind. So you have to be mindful of that. So I love thinking back to that story. It's in the intro of the book of, yeah, I was looking at her like she was nuts. I looked to the side. I said, yeah, of course this happened. What do you mean? How do you think that works? Like the uh, sort of like manifestation of, you know, this thing that this vision, is it just because it's just when you, when you believe you're worthy of something, it does happen quicker. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think mm -hmm. so much of, of life is that mental side of it and that that, you know, like so far beyond the physical things that we can do. Um, <clears throat> although, of course, you got to do that part, too. Um, but, uh, but talk to me a little bit about, I know, so I heard you on Marie Forleo, who I've, I've been a, oh, as well. Oh, I love her. Long time Marie fan. I think I, I went through B school like a long time ago, like 2013. Woo, woo, I'm teaching B class. Are you? Yeah. And you know, I never, you know, created like, you know, the thriving business, um, that a lot of those people did, but, it, but I am an entrepreneur myself. Um, I work for myself. I have clients. And um, I, you know, I've written a book. And so I really feel like I took a lot from school, um, even if I didn't use it necessarily in the way that I envisioned when I first started out. So, so all that to say, Marie has been very inspiring to me. And of course, she's inspired so many other people um, to do what she's done in their own individual ways. Um, and I know you said she inspired you, but I heard you say on the show um, that you were a Christian. And then I looked you up and I thought, oh, <laughs> she, she's written a devotional for female entrepreneurs and her faith is really important to her. And so that's what sort of drew me to you because, um, you know, that sort of sets you apart from a lot of the people that you see out speaking on some of like financial matters, for example. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about your faith and how that influences your decision making and just sort of how you live your life? Question. Are you Christian? I am. Yes. Okay. She said that's what drew me. I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah. um, my faith is my foundation. And that is clear. There are plenty of things that I do, whether it's from meditation or um, 
affirmations. Like I've got bukus of stuff in front of me to where those are all tools for my personal development. But my faith is my foundation. This is where I hold my belief sets at. And I operate in those principles and the beliefs of the Christian faith in everything that I do, which is just pretty much you're seeing the off, I guess you'll say the offsprings of all of what my faith is. So for me, that's just my core. I start the day thanking God. I start the day in prayer. I pray. I fast. My relationship with the Lord is of the utmost priority in my life. Everything else just comes right after. Yeah. But um, there's plenty of, like I say, different tools that I, you know, you may hear me talk about that I do, but my faith is definitely my foundation. It's what's given me the belief um, that all of anything else that I practice will be in my favor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that God is for me. And what kinds of uh, what kinds of messages did you put in that devotional for female entrepreneurs? Like, oh, is there that anything- thing is good. Let me tell you, I think that book that book may even be out selling a new book. Like, that's how crazy. Really? That's pretty cool. You know, because they're probably. I don't know if it's pretty cool because I'm trying to make money off both. <laughs> well, that's. <laughs> I was gonna say. Well, there's probably not a ton of like that kind of specific you know, you're type right. of that, devotional that- out there. Yeah. And I'm going to have to probably go back to that. And I, I'm not going to say this, Lord have mercy, because this is a podcast. People will be like, well, I'm looking for the next devotion. <laughs> but, and I don't mean from that standpoint. I'm fine with either one. I was making a joke. I'm fine yeah, with yeah. one selling the way it's selling. Um, and this one, like I say, don't get wrong. Fearless Money Mindset is selling amazing, especially considering it's a pandemic and I can't get on the road to promote. I know that's so hard. Yeah. So we, I mean, we did thousands we could release as far as selling books. but. Um, but I see how strong that devotional is still like going and thriving now. And especially at a time like this of a pandemic, people are probably loving going on the 21 day journey. So, and you're right. It's not your, I'm not your typical church girl. So that like, we can put that right. on the table. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure with that being said, I probably just have more of a mass appeal and more people will relate to me. Mm-hmm. So the devotional it is. It's made for the female entrepreneur in mind because it's really my morning routine in a book. Mm-hmm. People always just wanted to know what was your morning routine. So I just put it in the book. Yeah. And I was just like, my morning routine is like I told you, I'm thanking God top of the morning. So there's a scripture in there. There's a prayer in there. There are daily affirmations in there, which I do. There are exercises in there. There are meditations in there. There are gratitude lists in there. Um, every day takes you on a different journey. And there's also a, a, a biography or more of a testimony of another Christian woman that's an entrepreneur and her success. I'm pretty sure for the most part, everybody's like, definitely from a standpoint of, I guess you would say, um, <clears throat> financial measurement, everybody's probably most, for the most part, pretty much millionaires in the And these are their journeys and their stories as well, too, because for the Christian faith, we believe that people are overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of one's testimony. So sharing these stories is encouragement for people to listen to and be inspired by. So every day there's a different story. So I got all my girlfriends um, together that were of the faith. And I'm like, hey, I need your story for the book. They're like, sure. And it's very universal. 
There's mm -hmm. white women in there. There's black women in there. There's brown women in there. I got Hispanic girls and my Hispanic girlfriends are in there sharing their stories. So it's it covers my friends across the gamut. And just so people see, OK, this is somebody who's like me and I can relate to them. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the personal stories are just the most inspiring thing that you can see because you see you actually can see the uh, the play out of it, how it happened. And um, I want to ask you a question, um, sort of a different topic, which is what is sort of like the biggest blocker you see women or people in general having about money because we all want more money, right? Like I, you know, I'm trying to make more money here, and um, but but money is like a contentious subject, and people have a weird relationship. It's with taboo. It. it is. Yeah, if you're gonna have to identify what when you're saying blocker. It's all rooted in fear. That's why I say fearless money mindset. Yeah, but everybody's fear is different. Mm -hmm. So you need to identify what what that is. And I can't tell you what that is for each person, because um, for everybody, that's something different. But whatever it is, it's definitely rooted in fear. Um, and you want to be able to speak to what that is and say, OK, this is what I'm scared of. And then now I can get a remedy out of it. Now, one thing I do tell people, this is just a basic practice. And I think I got this even from, was it Tim Ferriss? I got it from somebody. Mm -hmm. And basically, once that person identified what that was, they wrote out a model and it said, okay, worst case scenario, if this mm. thing happens, what is your way out of it? And if um, it was like a three-part scenario. So if the thing happened, what was your way out of it? If it didn't happen, how would you operate? And if like maybe part of it happened or something like that, but what it did was it gave you a roadmap. So therefore you didn't have to fear if it happened, you had a way out of it. Mm -hmm. So whatever that thing is, if it took place, it's like, oh, don't, don't worry about it taking place because I got a plan to get out of this. And what that is, it's um, it's called like informed confidence. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's not like it's confidence you have, but because you informed yourself of it, you're not even worried about it anymore because if that thing supposedly takes place, I got a way to get out of it. So I'm going to keep going. Right. So you're not blindly you know, yeah. just taking a leap without recognizing, you know, that there are action steps to take and like weighing the benefits out and stuff. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, you also talk about um, the importance of giving back in the book yeah. um, and how that really is really vital to like, if you're going to make money, you know, it's not going to happen if you're not willing to give back essentially. So what, what, what can you say about that? How is that sort of a priority in your mindset? Well, it's, Currency is just that. It's an exchange. It's a current. It's an energy exchange. And and when you have an exchange, that means that there's something going this way and there's something going that way. And you have to play on both sides of the exchange in order to stay in alignment. And that's why sewing and giving is so important because it's part of the whole circulation of what's taking place. Um, of course, you don't give everything away. <laughs> you just play your part in, okay, what is my portion to give? Because when you give everything away, there's a difference between giving and self-sacrificing. Mm -hmm. You give from what you have. If you're giving everything away, then therefore you're making a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference. So you want to make sure that you're giving from a full cup, first right. and foremost. Um, no different whether it's your energy, your money, or anything. Um, right. 
you want to give from that place. But yes, it's very important um, that you definitely do that. For me, it has been a secret, honestly, to my success. Yeah. My heart for giving and sowing and all of that, it shows up in complete harvest. Even at my church, we just had like our super Sunday. And I was like, okay, I know I plan to give one thing and I feel a little stretched to give a little more. But I'm like, I know because of that, that something major is about to happen. That fi even financially, emotionally, physically, mentally, everything. I'm like, I know with that with those seeds in the ground and of huge harvest is coming. Yeah, that's so good. Um, this isn't, this wasn't on the list of questions, but I, you, you mentioned church, so I'm just going to go for it. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually write a lot about the church. Um, it's, it's sort of my freelance writing. And I just always like to ask people, you know, as someone that goes to church, like, why do you, why do you think that's important? Cause so many people are leaving church these days. Like, why do you continue to go and make that a part of your faith? You are correct. But I believe that the fellowship of believers, um, is important first mm -hmm. and foremost. I believe that you're surrounding yourself by other people who believe, and that is an energy exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, so you want to be surrounded by that there. And it's no different than somebody's faith may rub off on yours and your faith may rub off on theirs. And you want to be in the midst of that. So that's that's what that is for me. Um, I think what church looks like today for a lot of people just may be changing. I don't know if they're leaving their faith more so they may just not be in the building. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that the gathering of other believers is definitely still important to your Christian lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Okay. And at some point, I plan on getting over to Ethiopia to see the first church. <laughs> but, oh, really? That's so cool. But yes, um, I do. I do think that being in the midst of that energy, that there's a level of, I don't want to say magic. Well, I'm going to say magic for the sake of this call or this interview. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I know the church are probably like, you should, that should be called something else, but I'm calling it magic today. But there is a certain electricity and a certain um, uh, shift in the atmosphere and magic that happens in that environment. And because you're surrounded by so many people who believe what you believe, the downloads that you start to receive can take place in, a, in an atmosphere like that. Yeah, that's so true. I was just reading about something this morning and just like learning about why is the church so important? And it's just like, that's where like God is everywhere, right? He's all the time. But he, he really likes to, the Holy Spirit really likes to like dwell within the church. And so when you go there, you're going to experience him in a way that you might not experience him anywhere else. And that's really valuable <laughs> to your faith. Um, so, well, thank you for sharing that and letting me go off track for just a moment. You're um, fun. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the Fearless Fund. Um, how fun to be able to do that. How cool to be able to do that. I know that you mentioned that you, there there wasn't anything like the Fearless Fund before you started it, like investing in women. I color. didn't even know it. Yeah. And so I, it's like, wow, what an untapped market to be able to, I'm to, just to like help. This. I'm like this. <laughs> um, when I'm given a vision from God, I'm just like this. So yeah. I had no clue that I was creating the first of anything. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it was just a mission and a vision and sought out to solve a problem. 
And later on, the media let us know that, oh, you guys are the first women of color fund that is built by women of color for women of color. I was just like, oh. You're hmm. like, what? <laughs> um, but in the words of our Madam Vice President-elect, I will not be the last. <laughs> oh, there you go. The last. Yes. Yes. So hopefully we're in spark, you know, sparking other people to be on that mission as well, too. But mm -hmm. yeah, I... um. I didn't have that. What was your question again? To make sure I, <laughs> I was just asking you about, uh, I wasn't really a question. Oh, I was just, just sort of chatting about the fearless fund. Got you. We are the first, like I said, women of color fund that's built by us for us. We invest in women of color businesses, early stage. Um, so early stage funding typically happens like in these rounds, there's like a pre-seed round, a seed round and a series A round. Um, for entrepreneurs and startups. And that's pretty much what that looks like. We are delighted and excited. We have amazing institutional investors on board from PayPal as our lead investor to Invest Atlanta, to Carter, to Fifth Third Bank, to Lisk. I mean, the list at this point, the list is just long as, as far as who our investors are. Um, yeah, and plenty of wonderful individuals as well too. And it's it's been a great journey. That's why I said things just happen to fall into place in my life. Your 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 podcast this morning has me in a very retrospective mood and place of just going back and seeing how things just come together. Yeah. Um, but that's what we are doing. We have a pitch competition coming up. Oh, fun. We've, had, we've had one. The first one, Sarah Blakely hosted it at the Spanx headquarters. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yes. I love her. She's great. Yes. Um, and so what 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 kind of stands out to you? Like when you see a business, like maybe at the pitch competition or whatever, like what is it that makes you go them? Like I'm interested in them. Oh, that's a very good question. There's two things that's going to grab anybody's attention. It's a great brand story and it's your financials. So mm -hmm. when you have the brand story, that's what's going to be like, okay, they're on to something. And then you have traction. I shouldn't just say financials. It's more so traction because mm -hmm. like in the tech space, some of them don't have the financials to start off with. Um, but traction, you're like, oh, traction could be like you have 100,000 users on your beta app or you have this many people on social media. Your traction may look different. Your traction may be that, oh, you guys had 500,000 in revenue last, last year or last month. You know, traction looks different. But really, it's a good brand story and your your momentum and movement in the marketplace. Those are the two things I would say as far as like what's going to catch an investor's eye. Do you have any right now that are really exciting that you could share? Oh, yeah. We who, can you give us names? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me. I want to know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Um, we we have Hairbrella. I want you to go to hairbrella.com. Okay. They are the Rain Hat Reinvented. Tracy Pickett is the founder. She is an attorney and an inventor. Okay. It's a patent product, and this is not your grandmother's rain hat. <laughs> so, oh, oh God. You have one? Oh, I'm trying to see. Oh, not not within reach. Oh, that's yes. okay. Darn. Um, because it was sitting right here. That's why I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, I moved it upstairs. Um, yes, but she's grown by leaps and bounds. So just last year, she was looking at like $1,400 and $1,600 months. Now she's even this year, she's seen six figure days. She's been on Good Morning wow. America twice. Yeah, consistently six figure months, but Good, Good Morning America twice this year. The View, Beyonce put the product up on her website. Well, that'll do so it. <laughs> she's having a very 
just she's on not even just a good year. She's having a very good trajectory. She keeps growing. Um, and that's what I mean by traction. Somebody doing three times, she's doing way more than three times than the year prior, but stuff like that, that's good traction. You want to yeah. see them moving in an upward space of momentum. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's really cool for all of us that like to watch um Shark what's the Mark? Yes, I'm like, what's the Mark Cuban Mark show? Cuban, like I totally yeah. forgot the name of it. Yeah, pitch pitching stuff is so is so much fun. Um, okay, I had another question. Now I have to look because I forgot what it was. Oh yeah. So we're almost done, but I did want to ask you, okay, when it comes to investing, I feel like people just aren't thinking about it enough. It's so important. And I'm lucky that I have a dad who's really instilled the importance of investing into me. And so that's something that I do on a regular basis. But what is maybe one tip that you would give to people who really are sort of beginners at investing their money? First, the disclaimer is I'm not a financial advisor in that, okay. in that aspect. Yes, yes. Um, but my first tip that I give anybody is you need to find something that you like, which is what they tell everybody if you're about to invest in stocks. They're like, right. what are you consuming? That's where you need to have ownership. And honestly, that's, that's just good energy because that's where your interests lie. So that's my suggestion for anybody who's looking to get into investing is to make sure that it's in an area of interest that you already currently support financially and that you like. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Cause people always feel so overwhelmed by the stock market and it's like, it doesn't have to be that difficult. <laughs> um, okay. Who's somebody that inspires you or that you look up to as a role model? There are plenty of people. Um, my mother, of course, <laughs> I'm like, but there are plenty of people and they're the people who we all know, the Michelle Obamas and the Oprah's and, and just trailblazing women. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are so many, I know it's like, <clears throat> if anybody ever asked me that question, it's, it's so hard to like sort of rein it in because mm -hmm. there is no one person, everybody sort of contributes to it. Okay. Um, I love to ask people what they've been reading or listening to or watching. So do you have any recommendations, um, oh, books, God. podcasts, TV shows, movies, anything that's sort of on your radar right now? Well, I'm looking forward to reading Barack Obama's book. It releases oh, today. Yeah. Oh, is it today? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. I think it, yeah. I'm looking okay. forward to that. Um, but lately, I mean, I read a lot of business and self-development books and things in that area, but mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah, I'm guessing that'll be a bestseller. We already know. <laughs> yeah. Well, so speaking of books, everyone that's listening and watching, um, make sure you go grab a copy of Arian's book. Um, I have a copy. It's, I wish oh, I had it and I'd hold it up right here, but I don't have it in the room, just like your thing. Um, but it was really good, really inspiring. I think you will come away from it just feeling sort of empowered and just like, okay, like you, there, you have a quote in there that is something like, leave, leave room for God to do the miracle. And I thought that was for God to perform miracles. It's, in yes. both, it's actually in both books. Yeah. I mean, I it's so it. good. It's so good. It's like, if you're not believing that mm -hmm. God can do that, like you're not, you don't have enough faith because he can. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for your very positive, inspiring message. And thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm honored.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.